This week on the reverse stick, Dad's gone away and left the keys to the sports car. Jaspreet Sani reviews the Com Games. Jay Bloomfield with the latest from Hockey World News, and I'm going to take her for a little hoon. Greetings and welcome once again to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. My name's John Lee, your normal co-host. Tonight I'm just your host, no Matt Allen. Uh, he's away still, well, away from the program anyway. He couldn't manage to convince anybody with all of his charms this week to spend three hours alone with me in a somewhat dimly lit room. So I'm going to take you through the world of hockey this week instead and uh, there's plenty to get through with Jaspreet and the Com Games, Jay Bloomfield and Hockey World News and a couple of issues here and there that have come up during the past uh, seven days. Before we get there though, let's get to the news. News. And uh, most of the big news this week has been at the Commonwealth Games. Now we will be catching up with Jaspreet Sani very soon to have a chat through that tournament uh, but congratulations to the Australian men for winning the gold medal there and to the New Zealand women for winning the women's gold medal silver went to uh, the women that was Australia and in the men it was New Zealand uh, the bronze medal games went to England in both the men and the women over India congratulations to all those involved there and of course especially to Mark Knowles what a way to go out of your international career and oh gee, I hope I wish they could squeeze a few more games out of him for the World Cup, but we'll talk about about that a little bit later as well. Other news going on. Well, first up, I have a grovelling apology to make. Very grovelling, as Matt Allen pointed out to me uh, last couple of weeks. We talked about how um, China was playing in America against the U.S. Well, it's not China; it's Chile, and that's my mistake. Uh, obviously, under a lot of pressure at the time when I read those simple names off the internet. Very easy mistake to make. Uh, no, it's not. It's a bit poor, really, but I did do make that mistake. Must be said at the time, we did make comments about Chinese hockey on relation to what I thought were results against America. The previous games we talked about that happened in Europe, that was China playing there. Not Chile. He played against America recently. They did play four games, USA versus uh, Chile, in Lancaster at Spooky Nook, one of the best named places to play hockey around, I think. And those games were interesting across, across the fourth test series from the 9th to the 14th of April. Two all in the first game. The USA won the second game 6-0, followed up by a 5-1 victory. And the, follow, the last game of the series was a one-all draw. Between USA and Chile, you wonder if Chile wasn't mucking around with team selections in a couple of those tests or... The US just happened to be on, unfortunately. I didn't get to catch any of it. Uh, all working up uh, towards some big events towards the end of the year as far as the women are concerned. And a couple of good results there, you'd think, for Chile, and certainly in the first and the last game. There are some events coming up as well that are worthwhile having a quick look at. The Youth uh, Olympic Game qualifiers are happening for both Oceania and for Asia. The uh, Oceania qualifiers are happening in Port Moresby from the 25th to the 28th. Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Australia and Vanuatu are playing in that tournament for the men and Solomon Islands, Tonga, Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu are playing and Australia are playing in the uh, women's qualifiers. Interesting there, no New Zealand is listed for the Oceania qualifiers. Not sure if they're not going to be sending a team to the uh, Youth Olympic Games or not, or whether they're just not invested into that competition as far as hockey goes. And the Asian Youth Olympic Games qualifiers are going on at the same time for both men and women, the 25th to 29th of April. They're happening in uh, Thailand, Bangkok. In the women's side of things, Japan, Taipei, Malaysia, Hong Kong, India, Singapore and China taking place there. Uh, The men's side of things I don't think is quite finalised yet. It's... uh, Bangladesh, Cambodia, Chinese Taipei, Hong Kong, India, Japan, Korea, Malaysia, Pakistan, Singapore and Thailand. But no actual uh, schedule has been announced yet. Just those teams taking part. On the women's side of things, no Pakistan, which is a bit of a disappointment. And uh, 
Also, no China on the men's side of things, which I find a little bit surprising, but there may be reasons behind that. Those, uh, especially on the men's side of things, that, as I said, has not been finalised, but the women's uh, qualifiers look like that schedule is out and confirmed. And coming up in May, there's plenty more hockey happening. Asian Champions Trophy for Women, that's happening from the 13th to the 20th of May in Korea at Donghao City. I hope that's how you pronounce it. There's also some men's tests coming up between Germany and Ireland from on the 18th and 19th. And a Tri-Nations series coming up in New Zealand between the New Zealand women, Australian and the Japanese. And coming up in Cochabamba in Bolivia, the uh, 11th South American Games. Uh, they're happening from the end of the month, 29th of May. So that's uh, in the next month. We've still got a little bit of hockey to get through before we get to any of those events as well. We'll keep an eye on them. But there's plenty more hockey, of course. The Euros is about to kick off club-wise uh, at the end of this month. And there'll be plenty of Euro 2s and 3s competitions going on. We'll keep an eye across that when it happens as well. And there's a build-up, of course, to the Women's World Cup, the Champions Trophy, all sorts of stuff happening in the next few weeks. You're listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Time now to turn our attention to the Commonwealth Games. And joining us now on the Reverse Stick is our friend from India, Jaspreet Sani. Jaspreet, how are you? Hi, guys. How are you? How's Reverse Stick doing? Oh, we're, we're pumping along still. There's no Matt today, Jaspreet. Um, he's, he's on daddy duties, so it's, it's just me for this week. Um, <laughs> it's a school holidays <laughs> over here, so... Oh, okay. So he's on family duty, maybe, or kids duty. Kids duty, definitely, family. Um, But we've just seen uh, the Commonwealth Games, and uh, you've been mad across the the social media platforms for the 14 or 15 days there. Uh, The hockey tournament, how did you find the the tournament as a whole? First of all, I don't like, uh, I don't mind the title mad, because uh, if if you're saying that, it means my work got got noticed, so that's fine with me. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, as far as being a hockey uh, reporter, fanatic, whatever you want to call me, yeah, it was, uh, of course, the focus was on India because uh, we missed out on gold for the last two occasions, both to Australia, and we were looking forward to making the finals this time, uh, which unfortunately did not happen, and Australia went on to uh, even strengthen their stranglehold on gold, uh, winning all the events so far in the men's hockey at Commonwealth Games. So, so it was it was disappointing that India didn't reach uh, the medal rounds. In fact, they did reach the medal round, means they fought for bronze, but they didn't even get that. So that was disappointing. But any anybody here, uh, if you ask them about hockey and about Indian hockey and at Commonwealth Games, they will say that. Nothing less than a finish in the finals was expected. Yeah, I think from an outside perspective that um, probably getting to the finals was a, a really good effort. From there, anything could happen. I thought India were a real chance to win it if things turned out for them on their day. Uh, to be very honest, even if, uh, I think that even if India would have reached the final, they would have lost because Australia were playing in a different zone altogether. <laughs> yeah, true. They just wanted to give. They just wanted to give Nolzi. Uh, Winning farewell, come what may, so they would have um, uh, they would have brought road rollers if wanted on the field. Was there a, a standout performance to you, for you, Jazz? I mean, it's easy to say Australia, but for me, they just did what they always do. Was there a team that surprised you? I think New Zealanders pumping in 18 goals during the yeah. round robin fixtures was kind of surprising to me. Ken Russell came up with uh, a few good performances, so. I think New Zealand surprised me a bit, not in terms of uh, reaching the finals, but in terms of uh, the scoring spree they were on. What, um, what did you make of the performance of Pakistan? I mean, they they conceded the well second behind Australia for goals for the pool tournament. Um, didn't win a game, but they didn't lose a game either. Yeah, Pakistan. <laughs> Pakistan must be wondering whether they should feel happy or sad about it because. <laughs> Because they didn't win anything and they didn't lose anything, so they came back uh, just wondering uh, how their campaign went. But I think 
Ultimates for um, for a start will be happy that he didn't lose anything. In fact, I think he took this tournament as a gauge gauge meter to just see where the, his team stood, uh, maybe for the Champions Trophy, which begins in June uh, at Breda. So uh, I think uh, they won't mind this result, but definitely they would have wanted at least a couple of wins under their belt. And who knows that would have taken them through to the semis as well. Uh, but yeah, I think overall they played well. They looked regrouped, which was the most important thing uh, for Old Men's because he had to regroup the team after the debacles and the low points it has faced over the last year, missing all the World Cup and the Olympics and all that. So yeah, that was important for him to stay uh, undefeated. Now, just having a look at the, the women's side of things, um, some people may have been surprised that New Zealand won the final, claimed the gold medal. I I think it was uh, there for Australia to lose, as it turns out. And once again, India and England playing off for the bronze medal. The Indian girls sadly put in probably their worst performance of the tournament that day. Yeah. But um, what did you make of the women's side of things? I think um, both, if I'm not, yeah, it's right. Both sides, um, men's and women, all the same four nations made it through to the semifinals. And almost the lineups were also same. Bronze was fought between India and England on both sides. Final between Australia and New Zealand. So yeah, uh, it was kind of replicated. But yeah, on the women's side, uh, I think uh, uh, India losing out on bronze will hurt them a lot. Will hurt Harendra especially a lot because uh, he was looking to finish on the podium. He never said before leaving that he's going for gold. He just said that his target is the podium, even if it is bronze, he won't mind it. And that win, that that defeat especially, and the way it came in, came in the last, uh, in the second half, the, the way uh, the girls caved in and uh, it led to a 6-0 defeat, that was kind of very, uh, very upsetting. Yeah, look, I must admit, I was... I was a bit surprised by it. When you look back to the semi-final that the Indian girls played against Australia, I thought that that was one of the best team performances I'd seen from an Indian team in a long time. And the way that they, love, the yeah, girls yeah, were running, sure. they were they were just excellent. And maybe after playing such a so well, it just all fell away for them the next day. I think the energy in that game against Australia was superb. To hold them to 0-0, if I'm not wrong, until the first half, it yep. was it was commendable for the Indian girls to do. And especially the body language, the way they were uh, trying to retrieve whenever the ball was lost, falling back in defense, and then um, going in attack whenever they got the ball. The energy, uh, for me, uh, that was the standout uh, point from that match. Even in, even if we lost, but I think the girls played really well in that match, and you are right in judging that. And uh, from there on, to go on to uh, suffer a defeat like six nil in the bronze was would would hurt even more when you think that you played so well in the semis, and then a game later you played altogether a different team. So so when you compare those two performances, it hurts even more. Yeah, that's a good point. Is there anything that surprised you out of the, out of the the women's side of things? Uh, obviously, the New Zealanders did very well. Um, I think it panned out uh, more or less uh, as expected, and the final was also the Trans Tasman rivalry was there, and I'm sure the crowd would have loved that. Uh, you would know the better, but yeah, uh, I think it panned out. As, as expected, but on the men's side, New Zealand reaching the finals was a bit uh, surprising for me. What did you make of the overall level of play? See, uh, the, I would I would put Australia at one place and the other teams at the other place because I'm talking about the men's team right now. Yeah. Because Australia were playing in a different as i said in a different zone at a different level they they were their focus was at some other level i, I even at azlan shah uh, where they took their first team almost the same team um, just to see uh, where they stood i think they carried it from there winning the azlan shah tournament uh, i think was the stepping stone uh, for this australian team to go on and defend their commonwealth games title yeah, it's a fair call. What about the teams that ended up at the bottom? I mean, if we're looking forward, we saw in the in the women's side of side of things, especially 
a side like Ghana, who's at their their first tournament, there was a couple of you know words around the place and rumblings that perhaps a team like that shouldn't be there. What are your thoughts? Um, it's it's a yes and a no. It's both fair and unfair because uh, if you if you if 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 a country has put in certain amount of effort to get a team together and uh, they want to compete at the highest level and uh, the rules permit you to qualify or send a team uh, at the Commonwealth Games, then uh, I think uh, uh, it should be allowed because out of the 71 countries, not everyone will put in an effort to put a hockey team together. Yeah. So if, if, if Ghana has put in that effort, it needs to be rewarded. No, that's a very good point, Jazz. Yeah. Now, just before we let you go... If India goes to a major tournament and doesn't win it, the knives usually come out. What's been the response at home? Oh God, the, you, you, I'm sure you would have read the stories already. There's, it's almost a post-mortem going on right now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, luckily the orange are still not removed, so it's still in place. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, the thing is that, uh, there have been drastic radical calls and to the extent of uh, getting a new coach, bringing back Srijesh as uh, the captain, uh, and and many other things because Vivek Sagar, whether he fits in in the middle um, as as a replacement for Sadar at such a young age, um, so so those kind of calls are there, which uh, which should make a, set, a few players, especially those who are out like Sadar and Ramandeep, happy because. Uh, Ramandeep uh, was also left out uh, and uh, instead of him uh, I think uh, Sumit Sumit, not Sumit, uh, Dilpreet was taken uh, so yeah uh, Dilpreet had, had an up and down tournament but he's a youngster so you, you need to give it to him uh, he scored a couple of goals if I'm not wrong So, uh, but, but the calls right now are to the level that some people are even saying that going back to the sacking of Oldmans that it was wrong, it was, the timing was wrong, but I don't think that's the right point, right thing to talk right now because you have a setup in place and you just need to fine-tune it, how, what went wrong. There needs to be a review ASAP. If, if it is delayed, then obviously the things will uh, linger on. Uh, short um, um, at times had said that this team is unstoppable. Uh, I didn't see any of such things as <laughs> unstoppable in this team because they were stopped at va- various moments. Wales almost uh, tripped them, if not stopped. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, to, winning 4-3 against Wales in the last five seconds and and scampering in the dugout uh, during the game against a uh, group game against England just because you wanted New Zealand in the semis and not Australia. I mean, I don't get these thoughts. Means you, it, I know uh, you would want to play world number eight in the semis and not number one, given a choice, which is a fair call. <laughs> but then at the, at the end of the day, you need to beat the best to be the best. If, if, if you don't play Australia, you're only going to have to play the team that beat Australia, if you know what I mean, the yeah. way tournaments work. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you beat Australia, you almost have uh, almost have a hand on the gold medal. Yeah. So, so why not face them in the semis instead of whenever they come your way? So why why do you need to have that sort of choice? And the kind of scamper that I saw uh, in the game against England in the last few minutes just to get that winning goal and uh, avoid Australia, that for me told me that this team is not going to win a medal. Yeah. I, 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 I got an idea from that. It was, it was chaos in the dugout. If you saw whatever visuals were shown on TV, it was chaotic. Means players and coach Mourinho, they were, they almost wanted to go on the field and have a man advantage just to score that goal. <laughs> uh, so, so I mean, uh, why such desperation to avoid any team? I know Australia is tough. It's the toughest to beat uh, at the Commonwealth Games, especially uh, also around the world. But yeah, um, if you meet them, you meet them. Um, you play to win, of course. At the till the last very second, you would want to score a goal and win the match. That's a fair call. But the motive behind was behind it was my problem. Fair call, Jazz. I think uh, yep, yeah, you got to just take it on. And when you have that belief that you can take on anyone, anytime, 
you start uh, winning more than you lose that's for sure yeah, yeah yeah if you are unstoppable you don't look at what road you are going on yeah i agree any response to the women because i think that coming out of that tournament the, the future for the indian women is very bright the overall uh, outlook of the tournament is that the women gave a better account of themselves than the men which is uh, very evident because uh, the women reaching the semi final was their first target which was achieved and the men reaching the semi finals was always uh, something that was uh, the least acceptable they had to reach the semis the women reaching the semis was an achievement because their last medal if i'm not wrong came 12 years back so them the women reaching the semis was the first uh, tick mark in the book of harendra singh uh, from there on they had to be on the podium and uh, they won't mind that they didn't reach the final of course they would have loved to but they would be gutted that they lost the bronze and yeah. the way they did well harendra's done a, a fantastic job with that side and if uh, they keep developing the way they have been they're going to be a, a strong force in world hockey i think yeah the world i'm looking forward to the world cup i i i think india will not be a pushover this time no i'm i'm looking forward to their performance here as well look jazz it's been great talking to you you were uh, sensational during the commonwealth games uh, i look forward to the okay. next large sporting event that you're covering that should be good yeah sure uh, thanks thank you, you so much no worries jazz freight we'll speak to you again soon thank you bye bye You're listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, and that was Jazz Preet Sani with his wrap of the Commonwealth Games, and it was good to see Jazz across all the action that was happening there at the Com Games, especially the hockey. And uh, well done to the Indian team, just quietly they had an amazing games. There's a lot more going on sports-wise in India than a lot of us would think. And uh, one thing I did learn about India from the Commonwealth Games is you don't mess with them women because they're very good with a pistol. Now. Time to move on. And I was just about to roll it out of the garage and hoon off down the street, but the taxi's pulled up and Dad's got out of the car. He's checking up on me. Matt Allen, how are you? What, what's been going on there with you blokes? I've just walked in the door. My undie drawer's been ripped open. My dresses have been stretched. Where's that folds bloke? <laughs> that folds bloke. He's not here this week, but he, he did enjoy sleeping in your bed and eating your porridge. Oh, my goodness. Well, look, it was enjoyable having to listen to a, a different voice and a, a strong advocate for West Australian hockey last week, having Les on. He's a great bloke, and uh, he speaks a lot of sense when it comes certainly to junior hockey. Not so much on other things, but on junior hockey, he uh, he knows his stuff. He certainly does, and uh, I'm trying to twist Les's arm to see if we can get him back uh, next week because uh, he was certainly good value to have in the studio. Now, you, you mentioned there before... Um, Les, and he's certainly got away with words, and it reminded me of a story that's come up uh, out of Ireland in the last couple of weeks, because as we both know, Les can can send out the most withering comments on a hockey field without actually making it sound like he's sledging you, um, but some sledging has been going on in, in Ireland. Well, that's right, We oh, well, what are we talking about, four or five weeks ago it popped it, didn't it, popped yeah, up... Yeah. Um, from the uh, UCD team against uh, uh, one of the Banbridge boys? Uh, Corinthians Hockey Club. Corinthians, that's yep. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was um, a few disparaging comments that were made on field, but the uh, UCD students uh, somewhat showed their immaturity and decided to take quite a bit of it to social media. They did indeed. They put up uh, several posts that were um, derogatory about the, the player's physical appearance and then they got stuck into his wife as well, which, um, you know what, you, you call a bloke fat on the field and you walk off afterwards and you just let it go, but to carry this on through into social media way past the end of the game is A, surprising, B, it's uh, rather immature and C, it's dumb. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's ridiculous, and particularly in this world where you can pop something up online for 10 seconds and uh, somebody gets a snap of it. Well, that's it. That, that's fodder to be used against you, isn't it? Oh, absolutely it is. And, but it got me thinking, though, about we hear this the, the term crossing the line. Where, where, what and where is this line in sport? Or our yeah, hockey what is particularly? the line? Well, yeah, well, you know, there's... Uh, 
you know, you're not you're not particularly uh, uh, heavy set man. Do you ever get the uh, the comments the other way around and people oh. say, "Oh, you're, you're skinny runt." All the time, Twiggy, uh, all sorts of things. In fact, I I have to admit. I have used what might be now termed fat-shaming language on the field before, but usually in response to someone having a crack at me about my physical appearance. Uh, you know, my responses usually include a line about meat pies and not being able to catch me unless I had one in my hand. But, you know, we're, is that okay on the field for us to have that little banter and then walk off afterwards and have a laugh together? Or is that something that we shouldn't do to start with? Uh, you know, are you the type that's going to be deeply offended, John? Well, look, you know, you full well know everybody is fat standing next to me. So where, does, <laughs> where, do, where do I go with that? So this, the, the, the story has been picked up by the, the Independent in Ireland now. So originally we, it, there was stuff just on social media, but yep. it's now got some, <clears throat> some serious currency um, acro- across Ireland, hasn't it? Well, it has. It's also been picked up by the University Observer uh, in Ireland. Uh, they've, they've put up a story about it. And UCD Men's Hockey Club has been very quiet about this. They, they did release an apology on the Sunday evening on, on Facebook and Instagram that read, UCD Men's Hockey Club would like to unreservedly apologise for posts and related comments made on social media this weekend. The references were made on the official Instagram page and were completely unacceptable and do not represent the character of the club. Those directly affected by the derogatory comments have been made have been personally contacted and apologised to. Public comments were not made with insidious intentions. <laughs> You're right. But we acknowledge and accept that they were absolutely out of order. Internal disciplinary action is being taken. Now that's all they've had to but, say on the subject. But also the, the, the further disciplinary reaction, and that's the point of this um, article in The Independent, is that the Leinster Hockey Association have set up a disciplinary hearing panel to investigate the incident. Um, and uh, Johnny Bruton and uh, his partner are, have been unhappy with the lack of transparency from the, the Leinster Hockey Association and yeah. basically heard, heard nothing back on it whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know what, it's just a messy thing that is really not a hockey issue at all. Uh, you know, uh, and but we've been dragged into it in a, a little bit of a way. It's not about the game. It's not about the people who play it necessarily, because these guys would have done it regardless. I think whatever sport they were playing. Well, the, very, the very latest, and this is down towards the bottom of the article, and you'll find it on uh, independent.ie. Yeah. Um, the the couple have stated, <clears throat> excuse me. Without any official communication from the LHA, how can we be satisfied that justice has been done at all, um, done or at all? Was a decision even made? Are we expected to just take it on faith that the matter has been dealt with appropriately? This issue caused a great deal of upset and grief to us, and we feel like we're entitled to know, and indeed the public is entitled to know, what, if any, sanctions were taken. If the LHA wants to draw a line under this matter, it should behave in an open and transparent manner. We believe that not releasing the decision to Corinthians Hockey Club or ourselves is protecting only those that made these vile comments on public forum about us. The Leinster Hockey Association have come back and said that it does not comment on disciplinary matters. Well, what would be an appropriate disciplinary you know, steps to take? If you think about if this got taken outside of the realms of hockey discipline and, say, ended up in a civil court of some situation could cost those guys a lot of money i mean that well there's you know all sorts of defamation case absolutely. you know opportunities isn't there there is especially when you consider these people run a gym and they're you're running around calling them fat it's not a very good advertisement for their gym is it it's quite well, libelous well, con- con- conversely there could be a good bit of marketing to, to spin it the other way <laughs> it could be as well yeah, I, but I'm, I am interested in what would be a, a suitable disciplinary action for people that step outside the bounds of behaviour that aren't necessarily related to the sport. That's it. It's, it's off-field and not necessarily on-field. And, and the people that have control the social media accounts, they, you know, they might not have anything to do with the game whatsoever. Well, that's true. Um, I'm not sure how long the posts were left up there, too. You'd, you'd well, wanting to ask the person who was moderating your social media, you know, how how did this happen for so long? Yeah, I think the the big thing is is that um, Johnny Bruton and and Sarah, his partner, um, they want to know what's happening. They don't want it just to seem as though oh, it's a bit of a slap on the wrist, you naughty boys, and off you go giggling into the corner. Yep, 
You're right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that and see what action does take place because it's, you know, it'll be a guideline for others. Other people will look and see what they do given the set of circumstances and if unfortunately it rears its ugly head again, then, you know, perhaps you've got some sort of guide as to the way that you should deal with it. We saw what happened to the American girls who made a, a video. They, they posted an Instagram post and they use some derogatory words. Now, I don't think they're intending to be derogatory. I think they're actually yeah, just singing along to a rap song. But it doesn't matter. You, you say it, you did it publicly, and you've got to cop the consequences for it. The, the key is from Leinster Hockey Association is transparency, isn't it? And yeah. that's the same the world over with all the things that are going on with AHL <laughs> here in Australia. <laughs> Uh, with the FIH, with, you know, the conversations we've had about Dr. Batra's disciplinary hearings in the past and Jason yeah. McCracken, um, transparency is key. And everyone seems to think, well, if you just ignore it long enough and keep quiet long enough about things, then, you know, people lose interest. Well, we don't lose interest on the reverse stick, do we? No, and I want to know what's happening with Dr. Batra's disciplinary hearing. Maybe we'll hear more about it now that we've got a new CEO. Who I hear is uh, doing a great job of banging heads together at headquarters. Apparently, people are sort of rushing about trying to look busy a lot lately. Well, that's good. That's got to be good. Um, and I haven't seen the uh, vlogs or helicopters flying around yet. No, none of that sort of stuff. I think we might find that um, he might be a bit of a man of action, our new CEO. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Speaking of action or lack of action, Hockey Australia. And um, the Franken Nines. Last week there was a, a, a media release from Hockey Australia, an update on the progress of the AHL refinement. What, what was interesting about this uh, particular Ben release, it comes from Ben Summerford at Hockey Australia, is that it came out during the middle of a Kookaburras game. I mean, how convenient is that? Oh, well, if you want to bury something, uh, in this announcement, uh, Hockey Australia. Uh, state that a board meeting was to be held on Friday the 13th of April to further discuss and consider the next steps concerning the AHL. So we can only assume from Hockey Australia's output there that they did hold a board meeting to discuss the AHL. Uh, they would not be making any comment while the Commonwealth Games were underway and until after the Apart board from that met. comment. Apart from that comment, and wouldn't be commenting again until the board had met and the Commonwealth Games were concluded, which of course happened a few days ago ago now. Uh, still no word out of Hockey Australia as what their intentions are there, but I'm hearing it's uh, done and dusted, fate accompli. Um, how apt that on Friday the 13th they give you a release on Franken 9, so? <laughs> no, that, that, that would have been, that, that was the day of the, the, the board meeting. I didn't even notice that that was the case, actually. <laughs> it skipped right by me. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I'm hearing so many different stories about this. Um, I'm hearing that the Australian Sports Commission had nothing to do with it. I'm hearing it's driven straight out of Victoria. I'm hearing that it's a Hockey Australia thing, and fully supported by them. And then I'm hearing that they don't have a clue about what's going on. So it's hard to know. There's so many rumours going about. I'd also heard that there's uh, a few heavyweights from the game, and we won't mention any names, but uh, they've been, been on the blower and uh, expressing their dislike at the situation and asking the question, what are you bloody doing? Well, it's a very good question to ask, and it's one that perhaps Hockey England should be asking themselves as well. Uh, with the, yeah. the, the, the recent news of uh, the English National Leagues and what's going to be going on there, there's a, a good piece written by um, Todd Williams in the uh, hockey paper this week about the new... English hockey leagues, and he's also he's drawing a parallel to what's what's going on in Australia with the Australian Hockey League. Although I don't think when he wrote this, he realised that none of us actually want the new Australian Hockey League. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's uh, there's change going all over, isn't there? And I, I believe in your conversation with Jade, you touched on um, the the Pro League, and yep. you know, talk about flights and. Uh, Stretching, like, you know, the Pro League is going to have so much impact on the various National League competitions around the world. Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, the powerhouse leagues in, in uh, Holland and Belgium, whether those players are allowed to be involved. Well, yeah, whether they'll get them. Um, the time. Do they want to be involved? Well, would you want to be involved? I suppose as a player, yes, at one level, you want to play the best hockey available to play. Um, but at the same time, we all have a, a, a duty to the game. 
So <laughs> is this the best thing for the game? Is it up to the players to stand up? Now, I've heard that the players in New Zealand are prepared to not play uh not pay, play for free, essentially. That's what a lot of these guys and girls are being asked to do. You, you stay on your National League contract, whatever you got from your government, it's thirty or $40,000 a year, and yeah. um, you're going to have to play this competition without any remuneration. And I'm hearing that the argument now coming from players and led by the New Zealand players was, oh, that's very, all well and good, but we own our image rights. Now, image rights are one of the big sticking points when it comes to... Uh, player versus uh, clubs or association contracts and all sorts of other sports around the world. Yeah. It's one of the main talking points that the cricketers often go through when they're talking about what sort of remuneration they'll get. They're, they will be prepared to not receive so much cash, but they want control of image rights because that's where big money is made. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And look, and the big organisations like the FIH, they're very, very protective of those rights for themselves, aren't they? Oh, and you've got to be. Let's face it, that's an entirely understandable situation to be in. Protect your image rights, whether you're a player or an association or whatever you do. That's right. Or, or a photographer. <laughs> or a photographer, especially if you're a photographer. But, you know, there's so much more to go with this Pro League thing. And one of the interesting things I thought that came out of this uh, hockey paper article was uh, talking about the as we would call it here in Australia, the tyranny of distance and um, the expectations and, that will be placed upon players who are not playing at the professional end of the, uh, end of the pole, but they're expected to make the sacrifices that those who are playing at that top end are, are making. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's certainly one that's uh, going to play out for a while. It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Yeah, um, I think we're, hockey's at a, a critical moment. I think at the it's we we talked about a hockey revolution, but we haven't had a hockey revolution. It's it's been a revolution in the sense it's a circle and it's just chasing itself around in a circle. Um, yeah, and a lot of pa- power plays and politics seem to be ha- happening all over. Uh, what about celebratory moments? What about them? Oh, <laughs> Commonwealth Games is packed with them. It was. Well, just on, on Commonwealth Games, it, it's, uh, it was interesting because I've been out and about around the globe and uh, it's been different in different countries as to what you could actually view. And I found it interesting that when uh, England were playing in the, the semi-final in the, on the men's side of things, you could only watch it online in the UK. Uh, it wasn't available um, on the, the host broadcaster there, the BBC. But then... Uh, in Australia, uh, you could see some games online, but not not too much on the, on the screen. Is that right? On uh, TV, you, you got all of the games involving Australia. Um, you didn't get the semi-final of the men's involving India and New Zealand, which was a real disappointment. You got both uh, semi-finals of the women's competition, and you got the gold medal games. But that was about it. Uh, it was, you know, it's what what I come to expect from our commercial broadcasters here in Australia dealing with hockey. But and, you know, it's an international tournament, and they want they want some kind of gravitas for it. But how did you go if you were trying to watch the games in Belgium? How did you go if you were trying to watch them in Holland or you know in countries that uh, didn't have a host broadcaster there? Um, I don't think it was easily accessible at all. Yeah, which is look, this is out of the FIH's hands as well. I mean, I know oh, yeah. it's a sanctioned tournament, I get that, but it's the, all the broadcasting rights deals and all of those sorts of things sit with the Commonwealth Games organisers, and it's up to them to make it available to us, which is, you know, they call it the friendly games and they call it this or that, but when it comes to screwing down commercial arrangements, they're not too friendly there. No, they're not. Well, it's interesting. There's an, an article appeared on foxsports.com.au uh, back end of last week uh, from a gentleman, Mr. Craddock. Um, and the, the opening line on it, well, uh, not, the opening line is the hockey rules have progressed to the Commonwealth Games final despite being treated with bewildering contempt by tournament organisers. Um, it then goes, then, it then goes on and says, but the lament of their progress is to the legion of young fans who follow them would not have seen it because of, because it was past their bedtime. It was the Hockey Roos' fourth start later than 9pm, 
and the match finished at the ludicrously late time of 10.39 p.m. Now, I think the, game, <laughs> the, the last game they were talking about was actually on the weekend anyway. Um, and, and yes, it was 10.39 p.m. on the Gold Coast, uh, but it wasn't that time in other parts of the country. Well, it's also school holidays. Yeah. I think that's, it's important that this to people realise that this competition was held during school holidays to maximise the number of people that would be able to attend. Well, the article watch. then goes on to say, hockey rarely gets a chance to shine, and despite excellent live crowds, this tournament on home soil has sadly failed to fully exploit a precious opportunity, particularly given both the men's and women's teams are unbeaten. Um, the Commonwealth, Commonwealth and Olympic Games are, bit, are their big tickets and to programme late night games is a major blow to any prospects they may have had to grow the game by getting it on prime time television now first and foremost this is on <laughs> foxsports.com.au website, are you joking? look before you tee off because I know you're about to, Robert Craddock wrote that piece, Robert Craddock's a very good cricket writer, uh, I like a lot of Robert's work, I was surprised when I saw this article with his name on it because I've never seen Robert write anything about hockey before and the first thing I thought is about what you're about to say I don't really think Robert knows how Fox has treated hockey no that's that's you know it's laughable that they would even post something like that but trying to blaming on blame it on somebody else that this is bad for hockey well for a start you're gonna if you've got an opportunity this happens the world over if you've got an opportunity to give your home nation uh, home team, the the key final game billing of, of the night, you do that because that's where you get the big crowds, isn't it? Well, the broadcasters especially are thinking about overseas crowds. You know, no one ever makes a billion dollars out of televising the Olympic Games or the Commonwealth Games into Australia. It's about the no. bigger worldwide crowd. And I'm sure that those times were selected to fit in the best with the time zones of both Europe and us for competing. You know, you're not going to play a one o'clock in the morning game to suit what's the, the television audience across the world, but you might play a later one in the night to make it easier for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I'd, I think it's a bit of a nothing article. Um, you know, the headline for it is not seeing much of the hockey at the Commonwealth Games. Here's why. Um that, that's not why. <laughs> that's not why. No, well, I think Robert should go back and look at Foxtel, Fox Sports um, program guides for the hockey during the Hockey World League finals, during all sorts of tournaments where Fox did have the rights and chose not to show Australian games live, but on replay at what time of night? I that's right, on replay, and, and as we talked about in the show before... Yeah, well, we talked about in the, in the, in the show before that... The, the view from Fox was, well, we need more complaints to, to do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, well, and they still didn't lift their game that much. be interesting to see, you know, we're hearing that television deals that were done for the Pro League are no longer done, um, where Fox sits in all of that and how much hockey we would get if Fox took that on. be interesting to know. It is interesting. Look, I, once again, it's uh, the transparency isn't great with any of it, and it seems to be that the uh, the hockey consumer tends to be the one who's the loser every time. And it sounds, you know, like we might be sound like we're talking pretty Australia centric here at the moment, but these are issues that every country is going to have to face because broadcasters are no different across the globe. They all work under the same model. They're all driven by the same things. Yeah, that's that, that's right, and. Just going back to my comment before about um, the England men, it was actually the the final game was shown only online and wasn't shown um, on on the red button on BBC or or on the channel there, which I found amazing because they, you know generally the BBC have been pretty supportive of hockey yeah. and to hide it away on the the online um, channel, which you know okay that's great it's still being shown. But there was bloody diving or something like that on it, you know, at the same time. And well, maybe, maybe I'm just a bit biased. Well, you, you're better off than our mate Ashley Morrison, who paid for the the app from the host broadcaster, and then discovered that he was going to get ads all the way through the the sport. He just oh. paid to watch on the app. He was very unhappy, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. Um, sorry, I just heard a, a beep at the door there, John. My um, my cab's just come to pick me up again. Oh, has it? well, that's good because um, I've got Jade Bloomfield coming over in a second. We're going to take the Ferrari for a spin, if that's all right. 
Oh, mate, go for it. You know, as long as you don't smash it up, I'll be happy. You know, don't crash it. How many crash balls do you reckon we had on uh, Commonwealth Games just before I go? Uh, I didn't hear any. I was I was highly impressed. Mind you, we didn't have uh, our crash ball commentators here with us this time around. No, we didn't. Well, it was interesting. There was some, some, some really good commentary. It was good to hear Simon Mason on there again. Um, so we didn't was, get Simon. Uh, we didn't get sorry, Simon. We didn't get Simon here. We got the Channel 7 commentators. The host broadcast oh, wow. commentators. So it was um, Nicky Hudson, um, Ash Nelson, David Christensen, and a New Zealand girl whose name slips me. It, was, well, it wasn't too bad. It was all right. I've got no real complaints. See you next week. See you next week, everyone. Don't forget, follow us on the social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at The Reverse Stick. All good. Catch you, Matt. Bye. You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And joining us on The Reverse Stick is the editor-in-chief of Hockey World News, right across all the latest that's going on in our great game. And uh, it's good to see another addition hit the... Well, are they newsstands? I'll have to ask. Jade, are they newsstands? (laughs) They are newsstands, yes. So um, there's the Apple newsstand and Android have got their own newsstand now. Obviously, it's also online that you can download so yes the new virtual newsstand oh look jade bloomfield he is the editor-in-chief of hockey world news he's with us and uh first of all before we talk about the latest edition where can people get it exactly uh it's all on our website so you can go on to uh, hockeyworldnews.com uh, website and it's on there we also have links on our twitter page uh, it's at Hockey World News, and also Instagram will have links to it, which again is at Hockey World News. And if you love the game of hockey, you should go there because it's another excellent edition, and it's got a great cover photo too. It has, yeah. We've uh, had a bit of a, a thing for Mark Knowles on this one. I see the, the great man's retiring from the game, so we've we've, we've done our, our little bit for Mark, and he's, he's on the front cover of the, the magazine this edition. And he deserves a lot of credit. He's had a fantastic career. It might be uh, take a few of the older listeners back. He reminds me very much of another great Australian captain, and that was Craig Davies. Both played at the same part of the field, and potentially both the best tacklers of their era. I can't think of someone that's tackling better than he is at the moment. Uh, no, I'd, I'd agree. Um, and and the, the guy's going out on a high. Having uh, just won the Commonwealth Games. Many would say Mark's still in his prime of his career, and to step down at this stage, um, he, he's leaving the game at his highest level, I think, at his highest point. I, I think there'd be quite a few Australian hockey supporters who'd be willing to start some sort of uh, internet campaign to get him to stay on to the World Cup, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's a surprise, actually, that um, they, he's not staying on to the World Cup. It's only going to have a few, few months to go um, to see if he can make that three World Cup goals to, and champions that he could have put into his into his trophy cabinet rather than just the two. And the way Australia are playing at the moment, it's, uh, I think he would have had a good chance of doing that as well. Oh, look, I think at the moment he's uh, every hockey player's man crush and, uh, in Australia and across the globe. He's the sort of player that everybody would like to be as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd completely agree. And I'd say what he's, what he's done in his career, 324 caps and... The amount of trophies and medals that he's won, um, it just goes to show how much of a great player the guy is. Now, he's not the only player profiled in this next edition. Kate Richardson-Walsh, you've got her on board? Yeah, Kate said, uh, I've had a good interview with Kate, um, talking about what she's been doing after the the Olympics. Um, It's titled A New Era for the Golden Girl. Um, And she's talking about for the last two years how that gold medal alone has pretty much run her life for the last two years of course she's been visiting schools and uh, trying to get to the inspiration into the young young girls and guys there to, to start playing the sport she's doing a lot of travelling um, just really pushing the sport and so what she's done for when she was playing and what she's doing now is, is, is great um, just shows what kind of girl she is and it's remarkable that after such an illustrious career that's the way you cap it off too isn't it yeah yeah, exactly. If you are going to end, um, end a career, ending on an Olympic gold medal, it's not a bad way to do it. Yes, um, and, and like I say, and then 
having that gold medal around your neck and being able to to that literally define your 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 career for the well after after hockey career for the next few years is um is, is a great way to go so it's not just a winning the competition it is changing your life the whole time and i'm sure for her it's it's more it's not the recognition of that moment but it's a recognition of the whole career i mean she's gone for how many years and that's the the final accolade so that whole career is is summed up in that one little moment yeah absolutely um and and she's, she's a very humble girl as well she would she would never say that it's about her it's always about the team and squad um and she always refers back to the wider squad and the girls that didn't go to the olympics as well um she's not all about about her she's, she's constantly pushing this fact it's a team sport the whole squad has to thank for that medal and her leadership and what she's done. Now, you've also got a, a fantastic wrap-up of the Commonwealth Games as well, uh, featuring not only the winners, but having a look at some of the other teams and the stories that were going on behind the Games there. Yes, we featured... Um, obviously, we've got Australia men um, for winning the, winning the tournament, got a wrap-up with what they've done. Um, and the New Zealand girls, obviously, making history, being the first time they've won a Commonwealth gold. Um, but they've also got an article, as you say, on um, on Scotland and what Scotland have done. So they they went into the tournament as um, a bit of a, I would say, an underdog, but a team that, that wasn't expected to do as well. Um, yeah. And they come away with a really good good tournament. So for Scotland men, it's their highest ever finish in the in the Commonwealth. For the ladies, they they equalled what they did four years ago in Glasgow, but it's the way they're playing now. Um, and it's been a change in in their, I think, their mentality of what, how they approach things, um, which you can see is so much different to where they are on the field and the type of hockey that they're playing. It's not much of a faster-paced game, um, a lot more tactically minded. Yeah, you also feature Ghana in there, part of the FIH TAP program, and uh, it was good to see them competing. Yeah, Ghana, they they did themselves they did themselves proud definitely. Yeah. Um, they they had a they had a good tournament. Um, I think they played better than what they expected to to play. The score lines wasn't drastic, and um, I, I think they had good showing of themselves. Yeah, there's a full write up on on what Ghana's doing and and what what's happening back home for for the, in Ghana itself, the tournaments they're having there and how they're developing developing the hockey in in Africa, in North African states. And I was really interested to read the, uh, the words of Harendra Singh as well, because I, I think, well, what I saw the Indian women do against Australia, I thought they were really unlucky to lose their semi-final, and if they can replicate that more often, the style of hockey that I think he wants them to play, they're going to be a very good team. Yeah, I think the, um, what he's done there has been, has been superb, and, and the way the Indian girls have, have come on, um, over the, the last 18 months, they've they've improved uh, improved so much. And I think they are really targeting the World Cup um, to where they should be hitting their peak. I think the Commonwealth Games for the Indian ladies were a bit of a trial and trial and error ground, where they're trialing new things and testing new players out. Um, but I think it will be when they come over for the uh, come to London for the World Cup. That's when we're going to see the Indian women in their prime and at the top of their game. And a great preview too of the uh, playoffs coming up in the the English league there. Yes, yeah, so the playoffs um, it seems to be the same four teams uh, going into it each year. Um, but yeah, we've got a full uh, preview of what's what to expect and uh, where we think they're going to finish. Uh, so it's a, um, a look back at what they've done through the season uh, and how we we expect them to to fare in the playoffs. Is this a, a recurring theme? These teams? Is there? Uh, you know, are there people <laughs> challenging them? Uh, I'd like to say yes, but <laughs> it is quite a recurring um, theme. See, Surbiton men and ladies are the, the, the two best teams in, in the country. Um, Surbiton ladies by far. Um, so they they're always in the um, in the playoffs. And the men's side is generally a, a good battle between Surbiton and Wimbledon. Going into it, um, so personally, I think it's going to be another Southampton Wimbledon final on the men's side. I see Wimbledon are playing Hampstead, and um, Southampton take on Beeston. Uh, Beeston 
they started off a really good season and lost a few players to, to international hockey. But those players will be back. So that semi-final is going to be a very interesting game. Um, but on the first semi-final, I can't, fortunately, can't see uh, Hampstead turning over Wimbledon to, to make the final. One of the articles that really did grab my attention, though, uh, was by Nick Catlin. Uh, could Hockey Pro League signal beginning of the end for club hockey in Europe? It's it's a really interesting read, and I think one that we should all have a, a close look at, uh, even if supporters or detractors of the Pro League. I'm on the record as saying I think the Pro League's the wrong thing to be doing, but it it looks like it's going ahead. So, but it's uh, you know, it's it's the reality that we're all going to have to face. It is, um, and yeah, Nick's gone gone poop. Is uh, is that thoughts down on, on paper on that one? And it's an interesting read. Um, and it is you have to think about how European leagues are going to work with the Pro League. Um, obviously, losing so many international players that will be playing club hockey is the like I say is is it the end for the European leagues as we know it? Um, it's obviously not going to be the end of European hockey, but the way we know European hockey and the players at the clubs is it's all going to be the same once Pro League started. I, I think, yeah, and it's uh, the, the, the problems that will be faced in Europe, it's uh, problems that we're all going to face in our individual associations as well as the, the nations involved take on the Pro League. And it also you know, begs the question of what happens to the players who are from nations that are outside of the Pro League. Well, exactly. They went on record initially when they started Pro League saying that the uh, Hockey World League didn't work. Um, that's why the Pro League started. But then they're still doing the World League. But the Pro League's then every three or four years has got the same teams mm. before someone else gets promoted into it. So it seems from an outsider when looking into it properly, it seems like it's quite an elitist league. Um, that you've got to do, jump through a lot of hoops, you've got to do a lot of things to get into that league. Oh, look, yeah, I, th- there's a lot of problems that need to be talked through before anything like this becomes a reality, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it was just going to widen the gulf between the top teams in the world um, and the rest of the chasing pack. Yeah, I would have thought the idea of some sort of pro- promotion relegation would be a no-brainer. I mean, as supporters, that's um, what we would like to see. Yeah, absolutely. If they did that every year, so a yearly, um, a yearly promotion and relegation to go into Pro League for the following yeah. year, that's going to make it a lot more interesting, a lot more exciting to watch. And there are teams out there that are very close to the top level, that aren't in the competition, that can definitely hold their own. Um, and like I say, I think it's the, the gulf now is going to widen between the elite teams and, and the chasing pack. Yeah, Saying right. that, one of the rules they're looking at of the Pro League is you can't play a friendly against another team that's in the Pro League during the Pro League term. Which widens that gap even more, doesn't it? Yeah. So, it's yeah, there's a lot of things to be answered and a lot of things to be looked into still before it actually happens next year. A much happier story, though, is Jamie Hooper. You've got part three of his journey. Yeah, Jamie's done really well. So he's, he started off three, three editions ago telling us um, all about his journey, really, from starting umpiring to um, making the Commonwealth Cup, being selected for the Commonwealth Games, and the experience of being over there. So Jamie has done uh, a little diary, basically. Um, we've followed his journey all the way through. So in this edition, he's then talking about being in the Commonwealth Games and what it's meant to him. Um, and then we've got one more edition, uh, Jamie Arctus, the next edition is uh, basically a sum up of what he's done over the last four or five years. I'm looking forward to reading that one. And I thought I'd save the best till last, Jade. Uh, Keely Dunn, FH umpires. She's having a crack at the video. Luckily, she's not bagging me this time around, so I'm quite happy about that. <laughs> uh, she's, uh, she was all over the Commonwealth Games and did some great work with explaining how things worked and a lot of the video referrals, etc., and decisions that were made during the Games as well. Um, very uh, interesting piece on video referrals and the, and the way that's worked out and panned out. It is, yes. It's a great article from, um, from Keely and explaining exactly what the 
video fur is all about. People obviously they watch it on TV, video fur or the Commonwealth Games it took a long to actually get the decision. Um, but Keely on this one is then going through what they're actually looking at and how they come to those decisions. Look, I I don't think our system is perfect, but when you look around world sport, we've got one of the better ones. I think you know there's always going to be little tweaks and maybe technology will change that will allow us to do more. Maybe we'll decide to do less with it, but it, it's here to stay, and we've got a pretty good system. We should be happy that at least we've got something that works. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, personally, I say there's nothing wrong with the video referral system that we, we've got. Um, the, the players, if they're not happy with the umpire is called, they question it. They can do it once per game. And then if they get it wrong, the game explodes. They know they can't argue the umpire again. But when it does go to the video referral, it's very matter of fact. Like, did that happen? Yes, it did. There's a free hit. Um, but in, since when it first started, it was, you have to ask a specific question and you get the answer to that question up. Which didn't really help those that well, English wasn't their first language. Yeah. Because they wouldn't know what type of questions it was. So now it's more, I think there was a foul there. And then they look at the overall play and see if there was anything untoward happened before the goal was scored or penalty given or whatever the decision was. Oh, yeah, I think we're, we're fairly lucky that the sport has embraced it the way we have and that we've come up with a system fairly early on that, is, while it has been needing to give a tweak or two, has, has been fairly solid. You know, we've, we've got a good model. We do. With our video from the guys that sit on um, as video on point, it's good as well as they were or still are top level umpires themselves. Yeah. So it's not like with football kind of it. Look at the the one they've been trying in the football world, it's not even a, a top footballing referee looking at those decisions. Whereas in in our sport and what we're looking at, it's still top umpires doing the video films and they would have been in that position themselves at some point in their career, so they know exactly how the umpires feel and what they're looking at. Yeah, and I, th- I still think that there's moments in the, with the technology too. It always seems to be the most contentious decisions. That the, the moment you want to see somehow seems to be f- between a frame or something, and we don't use frames in that sort of production anymore, but it always seems to be <laughs> the one blurry moment happens to be that moment. Yeah, absolutely. We can't have a around quick enough to, to capture it or a leg or a body blocks of you. <laughs> yeah, there are, there, there are bits that still get missed, um, but as technology improves and they have different camera angles and hopefully we have more cameras around the pitch, and they won't miss anything like that anymore. And I think we also have to come to the understanding that sometimes things are inconclusive and you just have to go with what the umpire says because that's what we've always done. Absolutely, yeah. If you can't get right, go back to old school. What the umpire does. Yep, and you just got to suck it up as a player sometimes, even if it is wrong. <laughs> is that yeah? They, I think players know now. That they send it to the referral. They get what they want. Then they know not to argue. Um, and the way hockey, especially at the highest level, is that you can't speak to umpires or officials like you could be able to see years ago or like you see in other sports. So the players, yeah, they know to suck it up Yeah. Oh, look, Jade, it's, a, it's another great edition of Hockey World News. I've, it was a great little read. It has literally just landed as we're speaking, so I'm sure everybody out there who gets hold of a copy is going to enjoy it as well. Thank you very much for your, your time this afternoon or this evening, as it would be for you over there, and um, we'll catch up with you again shortly. Excellent. Thanks, Rob. I'll speak to you soon. that was Jade Bloomfield from Hockey World News here on The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And you can catch Hockey World News online and across all of the uh, socials as well. And we do have, well, I've got one bit of feedback. 
as most people know, I'm terrible at the old uh, social media stuff. I've got no idea what's going on. All these things happen so quickly. And during the Commonwealth Games with Jazpreet going crazy and every association and every sport going crazy, it was hard to keep up with what was going on. But there was one tweet that we received from Mark Owen at Grifter7772. And he said, Great episode, which is really nice of Mark, thank you very much. Like the brief mention of junior hockey, was thinking maybe a short section on juniors each week would love to know more about junior coaching in other parts of the globe. And that's a really good idea, Mark. We should have a little bit more of a focus on junior hockey. I did mention mention the Youth Olympic Games earlier, but that's not quite what you meant, I'm sure. Uh, because it is a big part, and, a, and the future of our game... Um, I've certainly got very strong ideas about junior hockey and it's a good idea that we uh, have a forum to talk about how we treat our juniors, not only within our own associations and countries but across across the globe. You know, what is sh- and should be the focus of what juniors is all about is that I have a feeling that sometimes we focus a little bit too much of them and at times they should be left alone just to enjoy the game and I certainly believe that the future of junior hockey is at the club level I don't think um, while associations may have an overall responsibility they've got to allow that it encourage the clubs to be the fosterers of that junior growth and development and there's plenty to talk about on that level so we'll look forward to getting a bit more into talking about the juniors market it's a very good idea and thanks for listening too by the way and liking it and that's about all I have for you this week uh, I'm not sure that Matt will be back next week, though we might get Liz back in the chair if we can. Until then, take care. Enjoy all that's going on in the hockey world. Uh, there's Argentinian live hockey on as well. Google that. I forgot to mention that. I forgot to mention about half a dozen things that I should have talked about. But check out the Argentinian leagues. They'll be going on live on uh, Deporto. Google it. Go to Ar- Find someone that speaks Spanish if you don't. Thanks for your company. Look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye for now. Well, that was pretty good. I thought I was bloody good. Don't know why I bother with that bloke, really. I could have it all. The Empire's mine.